Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Sandra Foreman, founder of The Spa in Me, LLC. She's also a lawyer and a self-care coach. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Karina. I'm glad to be here. So I think it's really interesting that, to me, it kind of feels like practicing law and being a yoga teacher, self-care coach, self-care advocate are two very kind of different <laughs> sides of the <laughs> spectrum. Can you just talk a little bit about maybe which came first and how you've you know come to really dedicate your life to uh, retreats and helping people take care of themselves? I get that reaction quite a bit. <laughs> I've been practicing law for 22 years now, and my... My advocacy work in terms of self-care is something that personally evolved for me. I mainly practice in the areas of health and disability law. And just really through my own burnout, my kids were reaching middle school age and didn't need me as involved as much. Mm. I really had never found any hobbies outside of practicing law or doing anything personally for me. And I just reached the point of feeling physically and mentally exhausted. And so there was that point where I just started seeking hobbies and just trying to find myself again. Mm -hmm. And what I gravitated to, uh, I gravitated toward health and wellness activities. And so people would take notice, my coworkers, friends, they wanted to know exactly what it was that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I would share tips with them. And again, coming from a health and disability background, what I found and what I do believe is that those types of activities are important for prevention before mm -hmm. people get to the point where they are, are chronically ill. You know, I think it's a very first important step to mm -hmm. take care of yourself. So that's where, how I got to this point. And also with attorneys, what people don't realize is that attorneys are people who are, of course, workaholics. But the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, did a study about four years ago and found that attorneys are fourth on the list of professions that rank high in suicide. And they are preceded by dentists, pharmacists, and physicians. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting that even in the professions of people that are providing the health care, mm -hmm. that they would have such a high prevalence of, of suicide. Right. Um, and, but at the same time, the amount of stress, I mean, the sheer amount of, of pressure and stress on those professions, you can kind of understand that that le you know, leads to those feelings mm -hmm. of burnout. Um, and yeah, created this necessity of how do you take care of yourself? How right. do you not end up being in that statistic? Exactly. And for me, what I found is that it didn't just start during the time that I practiced law, but it preceded that. Mm. It, and for me, I can now retrospectively, I can pinpoint that my workaholism really started in college. And then law school was even more demanding. Mm. Um, and then just, you know, having my first career. Now law schools are better in terms of promoting wellness for students. But during the time that I attended, that wasn't the case. Mm. You know, um, law students are still learning how to make themselves a priority. It, it isn't a widespread practice, but there is more awareness of how self-care and wellness needs to be taught in the law schools. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can definitely say it started long before I started practicing law. Right. And then, you know, because you were kind of specializing in health and disability law, can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about how you became interested in that area? 
I became interested in that area because my first position was with State Council for Offenders, which is associated with Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And I found that there were a number of incarcerated veterans. Mm -hmm. There was a, one of my coworkers, she was involved with the national nonprofit called Veterans Pro, Pro Bono Consortium. And so she worked on all these cases and I was just really intrigued mm -hmm. by her work. And so I got involved with veterans, the National Veterans Pro Bono Consortium. And uh, with that organization, what it does is that it provides a mentor attorney to mentor whether it's a new attorney or just an attorney new to veterans law. Mm. They mentor attorneys to represent a veteran to help them get service-connected benefits. So that's how I got involved with disability law that way, by volunteering. Mm. And then that led to me being involved with Social Security disability cases. I was the director of advocacy for Covenant House, which is an international organization for homeless youth up to age 21. And in that role, I became aware of more public health issues surrounding homeless youth. And I later attended the University of Houston where I received an LLM in health law, which is the highest law degree that one can obtain. It's not required because to practice law, you just need to have attended a law school and become a licensed attorney by bar examination. Mm -hmm. But it's um, a, a specialized degree that not too many attorneys obtain. And University of Houston has a premier program in health law. Wow. Yeah, so it was a journey for me. Yeah, definitely. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h. And then so I'm just kind of imagining there's this kind of component that you're seeing among the cases you're working and mm -hmm. the clients you're working with that some prevention could have really helped them out right. <laughs> to not end up in that situation. And then for yourself, feeling, you know, it's almost like a, you know, growing that, that feeling of burnout. It's just mm -hmm. like growing weight on your shoulder, so to speak, right. until at some point it's, it's just too much, you know, and then you're really looking outside of what you're already doing and looking for, you know, yoga and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, so is that kind of what I guess brought you to the yoga mat, so to speak? Um, it, it really is because I remember I would try so many activities. I'm like, I'm too active for these sedentary activities, you know, I need something that's a little more active, but then at the same time, I realized I need to slow down. Mm. So I did get in, I was attracted to yoga. I would attend a number of yoga classes, and then I thought, well, you know, I want to go deeper, and that's when I decided to enroll in a yoga teacher training program. And I enrolled in the program not for the purpose of really teaching because I, I, I knew that I wanted to uh, write mm. with uh, that type of background. And uh, so I started with, after becoming certified, I started with writing about wellness destinations here in Austin. And what I love about Austin is that there are so many opportunities to be involved in any aspect of health and wellness. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring that awareness to other people who travel to Austin for festivals and music and may not really know about all the awesome hiking trails and everything else we have to offer in the, right. in the area of wellness. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Austin, so I'm very much, um, you know, I just, I, I feel like I see all of the amazing things around me, mm -hmm. but then I don't really have very much to compare it to because right. I've not lived anywhere else. But I know that I'm, 
just so grateful to be living here. Because um, like you said, there's so many different groups of mm. people doing all kinds of activities, you know. Um, so it's just a very health-minded, very active city, and I love that. Right. Um, and I love that you were kind of like, hey, all of the people who are coming <laughs> here for ACL and South right. by Southwest, like, let's introduce them to this, you know, healthy, yeah. healthy culture of Austin, too. Exactly. And that was uh, when I started the spa, I mean, that's how I started by, by blogging and uh, blogging about wellness destinations and retreats because what I found for me in terms of slowing down, I enjoy going to retreats. I started with um, my family, my husband, and my two, our two sons. We would go to a family retreat. And so then I took that and said, well, you know what? I need to make time for me. And I think I'll start going to uh, very targeted retreats for women. And mm-hmm. so that's what I started doing. And after I had been blogging for a while, I would, I would go to blogging conferences because I, at the time I thought that I wanted to uh, become a travel writer and, and focus more on travel writing. And when I would tell people that I lived in Austin, they were just in awe. And <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe I should just blog about Austin. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why I focused on Austin. And I'm glad that, you know, that I've done that. But I wanted to do more. And mm-hmm. so that's when I branched out and started planning um, a, a retreat for women. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what you offer in your retreats? Maybe what are the things that um, can help rescue people from that feeling of burnout? Right. I started planning. The first one is actually at the end of October. So I've been planning it since February, March, a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do is to offer a retreat out outside of Austin because for me it's important to get away from the city but mm-hmm. still you know still close to Austin the first one is in Dripping Springs which is a beautiful part of the hill country mm-hmm. and I wanted to initially focus on the self-care modalities that ha- that I have found helpful and so what this retreat will offer uh, it will include a, an acoustic guitarist so that people are exposed to, you know, instruments that are soothing. Mm-hmm. And we'll also have healthy, nutritious food. It's, it's all vegetarian because I want people to realize that going meatless for, for a day is possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we will have vegetarian meals, breakfast, lunch, uh, morning, afternoon snack. And we will also have yoga nidra, which... Many people aren't familiar with yoga nidra. They're familiar with yoga. And so when I have to sort of explain what yoga nidra entails, it's guided sleep meditation. It's an ancient practice. And so it's really helpful to help people who may have trouble sleeping. Mm -hmm. And it's used actually quite a bit in the veteran system because there are so many veterans who have uh, PTSD and Mm -hmm. just other... Uh, you know, anxiety, just other uh, conditions. And so the VA system has uh, implemented yoga nidra in some of their their programming. So I wanted to include that in the the retreat. Um, That's a breakout session. So um, the attendees will have to choose between attending yoga nidra in a beautiful barn or a cooking competition (laughs) Um, the the venue owner is a former baker and she's just a wonderful cook so those are the two choices for the breakout session we will also have an ecotherapist and an ecotherapist is someone who introduces people to nature as a form of therapy Mm. so she'll talk about that and then we'll um, walk to the donkey corral that's on site very cool. <laughs> um, ecotherapy, that sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Ecotherapy, the, the person who is teaching it, she is a former wildlife biologist, uh, Amy Sugino. And so she did that for a number of years and, and really wanted to get more involved with um, connecting with people on a different level Mm -hmm. and so she became interested in ecotherapy and you know there I don't know if you've heard the the concept of nature deficit disorder 
but <laughs> I have it, but I can totally relate. Just <laughs> right. So ego therapy to me exists to combat that because not too many people go outdoors anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many people um, are in green spaces anymore. So ego therapy really is to uh, get people outdoors, introduce them to nature, which could be in- introduction to animals. So it's. Um, that aspect of just trying to get more people outdoors again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not only to, you know, go and stand outdoors or Mm -hmm. take a walk or whatever, but to really, you know, I guess that's the mindfulness component or whatever, that you really are able to kind of tap into that, you know, calm place Mm -hmm. that, is so easy to get in when you're like walking through a hiking trail or something like that. But at the same time, like I've also seen people that are hiking and you can tell they're still like in Mm -hmm. their, they're still in their, their normal headspace that they're always in. So actually like making that transition to be in that environment or be Mm -hmm. around those animals or whatever, and really like connecting with them and getting into that, you know, more calm state Mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to. Like you, you keep kind of saying, slow down. Right. <laughs> How do we slow down? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's an interesting kind of time that we're in. Like our culture really kind of encourages people to like multitask and do right. all these things. And people brag about how little sleep they need mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely uh, kind of maybe like perpetuating that nature deficit <laughs> disorder. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, people just feel like, you know, there's so much to do and they don't have time. They don't have time to slow down. They don't have time to sleep more. Um, And I think, you know, really the biggest challenge with Mm self-care is, is making the time for it. Right. And, and, you know, seeing it as being important enough that you should schedule time for it. Exactly. Um, I know it sounds a little cheesy, but (laughs) I've been thinking a lot of like, you know, self-care is health care. Mm-hmm. It's like the pre-health care, so to speak. Exactly, you know? prevention. Um, so, yeah, so maybe that's a, that kind of like can bring us into a, a, the next topic, which is um, making time for self-care. Right. How we can integrate some ways to take care of ourselves into the really busy lifestyles that mm-hmm. we're leading. Exactly. And first, I think the most important thing is to realize uh, that to give yourself permission to do that. Like, um, because like you were saying earlier, we think we don't have enough time for it, something mm-hmm. extra. So I would recommend, because when people start to do something new, sometimes they just go full speed instead mm. of just slowing down. So my recommendation is to maybe just initially try to schedule an activity, something new, once a week. Uh, and put it on your calendar because I think once you write it mm-hmm. or maybe and put it in your your phone calendar, that a person is more prone to do that. Right. So I would tap into whatever was interesting to you years ago or maybe when you were younger and you just haven't done it for a while and trying to, you know, do something along those lines mm-hmm. initially. Um, and also more employers now are offering wellness programs. And I highly recommend that uh, an employee find out more about the wellness programs offered at their places mm. of employment because most, mostly women w- will um, really, and, and it's true, not really have the, t- if they have young children, it's really difficult to make time to, uh, for yourself um, mm-hmm. when you're caring for your children, especially when they're younger. So if your employer offers uh, a wellness program, I would suggest getting involved in it Mm -hmm. and um, learning more about what it offers. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually just talking with someone earlier today, and she was saying that in the city of Austin, um, there's some kind of incentive program Mm -hmm. that, like, you actually, if you're... I, I don't know all the details, but something to where, like, if you are attending a certain number of yoga classes every month, they'll actually incentivize you and give you time off. Yeah. Um, like, you'll actually, you know, accrue paid time off or whatever just by doing those self-care right. and wellness activities. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, granted, you know, here in the city of Austin, it is a little, we're in a just kind of different environment than right. a lot of cities. So that 
you know, depending on where people live, there may or may not be something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're definitely right that most employers, um, they, they understand now right. how important it is to take care of their employees and encourage them to do those things to take care of themselves because mm-hmm. they're going to have less sick days. They're right. going to be more productive at work if you have a more fun, pleasant work environment. And there's just, yeah. you know, so many different things. So it's definitely something that's um, just growing consciousness right. about it. And if you work for a, you know, a large corporation or something, there's a really good chance that they'll have some kind of wellness incentive exactly. or something. I definitely encourage that because um, sometimes what they'll do is uh, they'll bring in speakers and then you may become aware of an activity or a modality that just mm. was not something, you know, you were thinking about. So right. that's something I definitely encourage. And what I really enjoy doing and recommend to anybody who just doesn't know where to start is to journal. And my, my retreat will include a journal writing facilitator. I forgot to mention that. Uh, what I feel is important um, about beneficial about journaling is that it gets all those thoughts out of your head and onto paper and it's like a release and then as you journal you can just start writing your thoughts but I think it helps to see a person's thinking pattern you know Mm. what um, their emotions and their moods you know you can release that and then you can analyze it later and uh, I think it's very helpful in that regard Mm -hmm. and I just found find it very very peaceful right and for me, it's definitely something about holding a pen mm-hmm. and actually, like, writing right. on paper, you know, as opposed to, like, everything we do now is typing, typing, typing. Mm-hmm. And there's just something different about, like, I would feel weird, like, typing in my journal, so to speak. <laughs> something about the act of, like, writing. Exactly. And also really love, like, coloring and watercolor mm-hmm. coloring and stuff like that. I find just, like, really, really relaxing. Um, just... You know, one of those things when I think we've all had that experience where you're laying in bed at night right. and you know you have to be up early and somehow knowing that you have to be up early like sabotages you from being <laughs> able to fall asleep. Um, right. So those little things like journaling or watercoloring or getting up and doing yoga. I mean, right. That's definitely something that like if I'm laying there and I cannot sleep. Sometimes I know like I just need to get up and I have all this like because the emotional and the physical is so connected. Mm-hmm. Then when I feel like my mind is going 100 miles a minute, I'm like, okay, well, if I just stand up and do a couple, like, yoga stretches and this, then usually that will help, like, calm my mind down right. enough that I can actually fall asleep. Um, let's see. Do you have any other, you know, recommendations for people who are, um, you know, as I think, you know, one of the things with, with self-care is that, you know, people aren't sitting around and going, well, you know, I could really use more self-care. Right. You know what I mean? Like we sit around and we might be like, oh, you know, I could really use a back massage or I could right. really, you know, I really need this or need that. Um, but it's kind of for self-care, it's like all of the negative things right. is what we focus on. And then we just don't realize that like, oh, what we need is to go to yoga class and relax mm-hmm. for an hour or go or go get a massage, Right. you know, as part of your self-care. So those things that people are sitting with, like, I'm feeling burnt out. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I can't even get through the day or I'm right. depending on coffee or sugar or whatever these, you mm-hmm. know, different, uh, I mean, drugs, caffeine and sugar, mm-hmm. you know, that get people through the day, so to right. speak. And those are the kind of warning signs, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> the little indicators. <laughs> um, are there any other little indicators, I guess, that... <laughs> That, uh, that people could use to kind of, you know, help notice if they're in a situation where they really need to right. start making time for this kind of care. Sure. I would say maybe sleeping more than usual is definitely, to me, uh, an indicator. Not being able to focus at mm. work or, you know, just not being the nor- your normal productive self is an indicator. And, you know, when a person can maybe see that something is not, that you're not functioning the same as before, that you, you need to try to take steps to figure out, you know, what is it that you can do to, mm-hmm. to, um, to turn that around and not 
uh, isolating yourself. Maybe isolating yourself is, a, is another indicator. Yeah. Uh, maybe before a person would talk on the phone with their friends, and if they're not doing that anymore, I would see that um, I would see isolation as another sign for mm-hmm. people to to um, to watch. Right. Right. You know, I also think about you know getting back to that uh, kind of your background in health law and everything is that you know maybe another piece of the self-care that um you know to me as a health coach you know doing doing what I do to me it's very clear that like what we do in our self-care and our trying to keep our stress low and Mm -hmm. trying to keep ourselves feeling optimistic and positive like has a direct translation over to our physical health. Right. You know, how um, how likely we are to, you know, end up with some kind of chronic disease or even just something like chronic headaches, chronic mm-hmm. inflammation, these kind of things that s- at some point were a small problem. Mm-hmm. And then at some point were just an unaddressed problem for so long right. that then it became, you know, this much more significant issue. Um are there any maybe examples or like more specific things like that? Ways that um, making time for our self care translates, you know, literally to health care and keeping us healthy. Right. What I would say is that when I and I really saw this when I practiced social security disability in my, in my disability practice, I think that people didn't know what to do other than focus on their condition. Mm. So it's sort of like a person just, that's all they, that's all they know. So that's mm. their daily life and not knowing the options of, of uh, journaling or, you know, just doing something outside of making your, 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 your health condition the primary focus in your life. Right. And so I think that by itself is disabling because you're not able to get outside of that thought process. Uh, More physicians now are recommending uh, physical activities and and things for their patients to do, but it's really getting out of that mindset of that's what a person has become accustomed to. So I think it's helpful when uh, a, a healthcare setting can't introduce their patients to what's out there. But first, they have to know. So it's, right. you know, it's, it's sort of a circular problem. <laughs> because if they're not aware of what exists, or maybe it's a, a healthcare setting that can can hire different practitioners in their practice and work, you know, with, the, with their patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, because doctors... They're not going to know everything right. <laughs> or they would never get out of medical school, right. to be honest. <laughs> so that's why I think it helps to have a collaborative type practice. Right. Right. And then, you know, there's all there's also this kind of piece of, you know, taking the recommendations mm-hmm. that they might give you. Like you need to reduce your sugar right. or you need to eat more vegetables or you need to sleep more do this right right and then this isn't really like a clear (laughs) you know uh there's no like okay now I go to the store and I'm gonna buy myself some extra sleep and I'm gonna buy myself some decreased blood pressure or whatever you know it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where you know it does it creates this this necessity for someone who can come in and then right. say, all right, so here's our goals and the recommendations that we were given by the doctor. Mm-hmm. And like, now here's how we actually implement them. Exactly. Um, and that's a lot of what I do, you know, in my health coaching too, is like helping people find, you know, what is the realistic thing right. that I can do? Because by and large, you know, a lot of the things you know, seem really difficult. Oh, I need Mm -hmm. to lose weight. I need to do this. I need to do that. And they feel like these big kind of crazy mountains. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just can kind of see where people almost get like deer in headlights. Right. (laughs) You know, being like, I need to do all of these things. And like, I have no idea how. 
Exactly. Um, so I think it's great that we're definitely living in a time where this information is becoming so much more common. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, people, you know, even in their workplace and employers actually right. coming out and saying, all right, we want to help you <laughs> take mm-hmm. care of, your, you know, take care of yourself this way. Um, because that feeling of being overwhelmed or confused as to like what to do or where right. to start. I mean, that's a very... Um, you know, can really kind of freeze people, Mm -hmm. you know, freeze people where they're at. And, you know, like you said, also, you know, concentrating too much on the problem or too much on the condition or too much focused on the things that need to be done and not thinking of like, okay, well, what are the things I can actually do right now? Right. Um, you know, to start taking better care of myself. And I think it's important to, like you were saying, to start because an individual will feel the overwhelm if they're if they receive too many things that they need to do mm-hmm. and just breaking it into small steps, one step at a time mm-hmm. and focusing on that. And then when that's accomplished, then moving to the next thing. But they definitely need us to be able to work on one goal at a time or else they'll just it will become too much for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to get like burnt out exactly. on the stuff that you're trying to do to <laughs> exactly. help you not feel burnt out. <laughs> and I think too, um, for some people, they have the uh, idea that eating healthy costs more. And so I think that's important to uh, introduce uh, a person to ways that they can cook and, and how it actually in the long run does save money mm-hmm. <laughs> because maybe you're buying less medications or you're going to the, you know, the physician, you, mm-hmm. all these different health professionals less because you're taking these steps. Right. Prevent, preventive and steps. you just feel better mm-hmm. when you start eating those better foods. Right. And, and that's a hard thing to convey, you know, to someone who's sitting there and they're like, I don't want to give up my you know, right. Big Macs and Big Gulps or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, uh, and, and I think the whole, like, healthy eating thing in general is, um, it's it's a very kind of tumultuous ground. Right. You know, because when you look at all of those fast foods and junk foods, they're using extreme amounts of sugar and sodium right. and monosodium glutamate and all of these things that really disrupt a person's ability to, um, the body's ability to tell which foods are good for you or bad for you. Right. So once somebody's been eating in that way for a really long time, Mm -hmm. it can be hard to transition to the more natural foods that aren't loaded with all of these crazy things. Um, so, you know, again, like that little transitional piece Mm -hmm. to just eating better or making time to prepare your meals. Right. Um, All of these little things are, um, you know, they, they, they feel really big and scary at the Mm -hmm. beginning before you do them. So having somebody that's can help you, um, you know, create those steps and make it a really simple, you know, well, simpler process at least. Um, is so important, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I feel very grateful that we're living in a in a time where this information is becoming more widespread and embraced, right. and um, yeah, you can definitely find people <laughs> all over the internet to teach you whatever style of eating or whatever that right. you want to do, um, which I think is very nice. You know, so getting back to that idea of uh, of simple things that we can do right now mm-hmm. to start taking better care of ourselves. Do you have any recommendations for our <laughs> listeners? I would say, number one, they did a great job by listening to this podcast. Yes. Making time <laughs> to learn something. And hopefully, you know, we are able to um, minimally help them feel more calm and more empowered just from listening. Exactly. Um, but any little tips that you have I do for have people? a few more tips. Uh, number one, I think it's important for us to learn how to slow down. Uh, I think that's very important to learn how to live in solitude, you know, if that's a possibility. If if, if your kids are uh, going away, then maybe take the opportunity to do nothing. Don't clean the house for maybe 30 minutes. Just, you know, mm. being in stillness, I feel, is very important. Uh, and also... Take self care doesn't have to cost a significant amount of money. It could just be maybe spending time 
austerity watching comedy shows you know and, and laughing because laughter is therapy as well so you know doing something as simple as that yeah. I think is 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 helpful uh, reading a book you know if you if a person enjoys reading and hasn't done that in a while maybe on a Saturday or at night uh, you know spending time reading that's something yeah. a person hasn't done in a while so it doesn't have to be complicated or costly to just make time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love what you had said earlier about, you know, maybe thinking back to things that you used to do mm -hmm. when you were a kid. Right. You know, so I know so many people are like, yeah, you know, I used to always do dance <laughs> lessons or gymnastics. Yes. Or I used to really love painting and artwork. And then yes. at some point, real life steps in right. and then they, they stopped doing that mm -hmm. thing um but i think that's a great little, oh thank you, you know, recommendation <laughs> yeah. and and for myself you know with like the watercoloring and stuff that was something where like i never you know would have been like oh i'm gonna start watercoloring yes. like my new profession or something but right. you know we got these really beautiful watercolors and i started just coloring all the time and then i was like oh yeah this is so much fun i haven't and tried it, that and it was like very <laughs> nostalgic you know um mm -hmm. so i love i would get like the adult coloring books you know like right the intricate flowers and bees and doggies and like whatever mm -hmm. um but something about like just you know, coloring in the, in the lines. And, right. Uh, and I love the watercolors because they're not as messy as like regular paints. Right. So you just have your watercolor pencils and you can just take a little paintbrush dipped in a tiny bit of water and like spread the pencil around. You can like do it. I can oh, do it while I'm in nice. bed. You know, like big arts and crafts projects are like not probably going to happen for me. <laughs> but I love, but I love that. And I right. think also the colors are very calming. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just kind of like my little nostalgic thing. Right. That I've like picked back up and I'm like, wow, yeah. Why did I ever stop coloring? Exactly. Why did I ever stop doing this? <laughs> it's so much fun. And I do, I feel so calm you know, while I'm doing it, when I get done, right. doing something. And then you have a beautiful little picture, mm -hmm. which feels nice in itself, you know, <laughs> that you created something. Um, I think that on its own, just like the concept of creating mm -hmm. a physical thing, right? you know, is really powerful too, especially in the day and age where everything is virtual and everything's online. Right. Actually like getting your hands on something. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's like, I always think about, um, you know, like clay work and stuff. Like I would love to go take a clay right. sculpting class or something. I think that would just be so fun, but like something you really get your hands literally right. dirty doing. <laughs> um, but any kind of like physical activity, coloring, painting, making stuff, you know, uh, anytime I kind of do something artistic or mm -hmm. creative, I always, I always just feel better after. Right. Um, and not that I'm going to go like start an Etsy store selling my watercolor paintings or anything yeah. like that, but, um, you know, just to have something that feels so nice to do. Um, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. You know, if you try something and, you know, that's not your thing, then that's something you, a person has learned about themselves and just try something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I tried a number of things and some things I liked and some things I didn't like, but you know, it was a, a learning process for me. I learned mm -hmm. more about myself along the way. Right. Yeah. So do you do any teaching yoga now or you're still practicing law primarily? I'm primarily practicing law, building the spa in me. Uh, I have the first retreat at the end of the month. And then after that, I'll offer self-care coaching. Very cool. Right. And, and the self-care coaching, really, I will offer through a podcast, uh, Dear Cousin K, where people can write in will email their um their letters to me under an anonymous I think name some people may <laughs> still actually write letters out there i don't know any oh them, okay i feel like maybe that would they be exist. nice <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i'll that the self-care coaching will occur in the term in, in the form of a podcast where i'll respond to anonymous letters very cool mm -hmm. are there any questions that have been sent in to you yet or anything i have received questions people have um uh, send questions relating to not feeling, you know, guilty when mm. they want mothers really uh, when they want to make themselves, you know, put themselves in their own list. You know how how do right. how do you deal with the guilt? Um, some a lot of questions relate to sleep deprivation. Um, so it's really interesting to 
you know, get real life questions uh, where they're seeking help on, you know, advice on how to, you know, improve in those areas. Can I ask what your uh, response would be to those questions? Right. For the feeling of guilt, that's something I definitely dealt with when I started to make myself a priority Mm. or just to put myself on the list because I hadn't done that. Right. In so long. And it's a natural way to feel. But my response to that is if I'm not taking care of myself, then no one in my household is going to feel, <laughs> you know, they're right. not going to, they'll feel the effect of that. Mm-hmm. And I think I am a happier person when I'm doing something that's pleasant for me. It yeah. makes every it just creates a pleasant environment. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's important not just for you, but it's important for everyone in your household or whom you know right. whomever you're taking care of. Um, it's important to make yourself a priority. Mm-hmm. And in terms of sleep, it's d- depending on the reason for the sleep deprivation. I personally do try to get, I would say I average between six to eight. (laughs) You know, I do wish it was eight every night. But uh, I have to make an effort to maybe go to sleep earlier or Mm. to not stay up late. I I don't work on the weekends anymore. I I stopped um, taking work home on the weekends a long time ago so if I work on the weekends it's something very rare it's just a tight deadline I'm trying to 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 make so I would say in terms of sleeping more is something that probably requires more effort for people Mm. but if working more than 40 hours a week is something that is a habit for some people I would say get into the practice of taking not taking work home leaving work at work and you know making your house a haven and eventually maybe that will lead to sleeping more Mm -hmm. because I think just our thoughts probably keep us up at night sometimes of thinking you know and I'm usually laying in bed (laughs) thinking about work exactly (laughs) so you know more often than not it's it's work that's keeping me right you know keeping me awake Mm-hmm. Or I think of something and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull out the laptop and send this email real quick. Right. And it's like two in the morning. I'm like, what am I doing? It's the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go to sleep. But for whatever <laughs> reason, like, you know, your brain just kind of like is in yeah. hyper mode. And, um, but I love that recommendation. I'm going to stop bringing my work home with yeah, me I, <laughs> I stopped doing that about 10 years ago. It really did help me a lot because I worked so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No one really asked me to, and my job really didn't. It's just, you know, I was in that mode of feeling like I had to um, complete certain uh, assignments within, you know, certain deadlines. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, it was self-imposed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, topic in itself is like, why do we mm-hmm. become workaholics? Right. You know, why do we get so... Um, you know, I guess kind of obsessive almost mm-hmm. over like getting things done and being efficient. And the right. thing I commented earlier that like we brag about how little sleep we can get and we brag about how many things we can multitask at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like why do we, why do we right. gravitate towards that like kind of workaholic? I wish thing? I knew. I think for me, I've just always had that type of personality and then when I went to law school, it was magnified. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I already, I already had that tendency, but it was just, um, it grew as I, you know, went to college and then law school and then practicing as a lawyer because I didn't know anything different than that. Right. You know, it wasn't something, that's why I say, I think colleges are doing a better job now it's just not something you really hear in terms of p- making yourself a priority. There are some mm-hmm. colleges and law schools now, other graduate programs that are uh, incorporating a wellness curriculum into their programming. And I, I think that's really important mm-hmm. because if you don't hear anything different, then 
you probably think you should work all the time, right. you know? Right. <laughs> I also think that, um, like, competitive mm-hmm. nature. Right. Um, you know, that, you know, can be... Um, can be very, very strong, you know, and I think some people are more competitive than others, right. but definitely the, you know, public education system, like, encourages that competition. Right. And I remember being in college, and that's probably the most stressed out I've ever been in my life, mm-hmm. you know, as a college student. And in hindsight, like, if I could go back and tell my college self, right. like, <laughs> hey, none of this is a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you're gonna get through you'll be fine but like you know all of the nights that I stayed up the whole entire night rewriting a paper five different times like it was just my own like competition Mm -hmm. you know not so much with myself but like wanting to get the best score wanting to have the highest grade wanting to be the one that the teacher like singled out as having the the best paper or whatever exactly um and then that competitive nature totally continues in our professional lives Mm -hmm. Um, going back to that, one of the first things you said about doctors, dentists, pharmacists, and lawyers being, you know, among the top, like, rates of suicide, Mm -hmm. all incredibly competitive, you know, areas. So I think that, you know, just that one component of of taming our ego, I guess, you know, and yoga is very strong about like, mm-hmm. you know, learning to to not be driven by that ego part right. of ourselves. And, and yet at the same time, like if you look on Instagram or whatever, like the yoga world is actually quite competitive too. Right. So even among the realm of people that are supposed to like not be competitive, right. that human nature, that human competitive nature like mm-hmm. still comes through. Right. So I think that's a big piece. You know, I think it's a big piece of the reason that we compete over who can sleep the less and we compete right. over who can work the most. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm just kind of having my own little, like, epiphany here <laughs> like, talking about it. Yeah. Um, but getting past that, like, ego part of the mm-hmm. self that makes us want to push ourselves beyond what is healthy right. and beyond what is pleasant right. and for I us think, to endure. Exactly. And I, th- I think, like, those professions in particular and – uh, and I can attest just um, for myself, there is also the issue of compassion fatigue. Mm. It, it doesn't just happen in the health profession. It happens amongst, you know, lawyers because we have a client and we want to do our best for our client. Mm. And you know, depending on the issue, you know, we take those on too because mm-hmm. it's what we're studying. <laughs> it's right. like a course because we're living it day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So there also is the issue of doing the best work for your client. Right. So we take on the emotions of the case. So, you know, there is that component too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> and with, you know, the background that I have in all of the different um, yoga teachers and massage therapists, physical therapists we've worked with, a lot of them have uh, kind of talked about how mm-hmm. they – you know, after working on someone will like take on the energies of that person. Exactly. And so like, for instance, you know, one of the girls had come in one time and she was like, man, I had a session this morning and I was working on this woman that just had like all of these different emotional things. And I mean, I could just tell she was like a different person when she walked right. in the door than like all of the other times that we shot just from the, the energy of the person yes. that she was working on. that was incredibly grateful for the mm-hmm. work, but she had such a complication of health and emotional things going on. And that was like definitely on the shoulders Mm -hmm. of that massage therapist that worked on her. So I can definitely see what you're saying, you know, among, you know, again, like doctors, lawyers, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not only having your own pressures and your own, you know, wanting to, for your own ego, like Mm -hmm. do the best that you can. But now you're also trying to, Um, help this other person right and then consequently you're kind of taking on the different trauma or stress that they have that's a big component Um, of it and I can definitely see where that would Mm -hmm. um would be very difficult to deal with it maybe even like creates more of a need for self-care right for those people who are in the positions that they're working with Mm -hmm. you know with other people in those difficult kind of places so to speak exactly yeah, wow. it's a different side of it that people don't 
especially with lawyers. Yeah. You know, they don't see, well, any of those professions that are, you know, I listed, but, you know, we do take on um, the emotions of our clients because we're trying to do the best that we can mm-hmm. for them. And then unfortunately you're oftentimes in a, a case or a situation where, you know, maybe what is right isn't necessarily what ends up being the ruling or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, like you're not in a situation where it always ends up with the happy, perfect ending. So then you have to like handle what, you know, the Mm -hmm. inevitable like disappointments or whatever that can come in that profession too. Exactly. Wow. So do you have any other tips for, (laughs) tips for lawyers or (laughs) well, otherwise (laughs) incredibly pressured people under so much pressure exactly what I would say is what has helped me and what uh, helps a number of people that I know who are in these different professions is to socialize to Mm. you know have your your tribe of people that um, you may see once a week or you know go have um, you know lunch together or whatever Mm -hmm. just you know making time for people who you trust. I think that's very important to maybe talk about the things that are bothering you or maybe just talk about something completely different. I think it's important to, to, to continue to socialize mm-hmm. um, outside of, you know, social media. Right. <laughs> you know, that could be outside helpful too. Outside of but <laughs> anti-social media. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's still important to have um, a social, physical connection with people um you know, you can see maybe occasionally or right. pick up the phone <laughs> and mm-hmm. talk. I think that's important. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole kind of like internalizing right. all of our struggles mm-hmm. is, you know, a big part of what kind of like it's about to be Halloween here as we're filming this. I'm thinking about the witch's cauldron. Right. You know, and you just keep like piling in all of the you know different emotions and feelings and it's yeah. you know it becomes um it becomes really stressful mm-hmm. and um yeah well I'm just so grateful to you for coming and sharing all of this with us yeah. and I definitely think that um you know it is kind of the enlightenment of self-care mm-hmm. <laughs> right now you know like this is where um, this idea of prevention is really starting to be embraced, mm-hmm. you know, by the mainstream even. Right. Um, so I'm just hoping that this is um, lots of positive change happening for so many people. So do I. And is there anything else that you want to share here as we're closing our little self-care <laughs> discussion? I would say, you know, uh, just in terms of self-care, making yourself a um, priority is important and don't think of it as something you have to take on on a daily basis in the beginning just you know take it one step at a time schedule it maybe once a week just take small steps in the beginning if it's something that a person hasn't been doing for a while Mm -hmm. well thank you so much sandra for being here and i'm so excited to have you back on the program again soon thank you so much definitely I want to thank all of you for listening to the Wellness Plus podcast. You can find the full video version of this podcast, as well as hundreds of other health and wellness videos over on wellnessplus.tv. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again soon. The Wellness Plus podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.